All right, let's go ahead and open for prayers. We get ready to open the word. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity we have to come before you and to worship you. We ask that you guide and keep us as we go forward this day. Lord, show us what you would have us to see from this word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Let as many servants that are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brother, brothers, but rather let them do service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort. I'm reading this section, and this section is oftentimes read and taught that when we go to work, you know, we're, we're the servants of our, work, our, of our employers, and that we're supposed to give them very, you know, good service. And now, that was probably the way I would have taught it until the last night I was thinking. There's a lot of verses that talk about servants taking, you know, serving their masters and doing it as unto God. And I just want to read those real, a couple of those real quick because I picked out four of them. And it's a theme that's in the scriptures, and I've shared with you, when you find the theme in the scriptures repeated over and over and over again, God's trying to make a point, so we're going to look at a different point probably on this. Ephesians 6, 5, servants be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, for the fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto God, not as I service as men pleasers, but as servants of God, doing the will of God, from the heart. Colossians 3:22 Servants obey all things obey in all things your masters according to the flesh not as eye service as men pleasers but in a singleness and fearing fearing God and whatsoever you do do it heartily as unto the land of Lord and not as unto man. In Titus Chapter 2, verse 9, exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, which means stealing, not, but showing in all good fidelity that they may adorn the, the doctrine of God, their, our Savior, in all things. And one last one in 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 18. Servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to, in good, to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. For this is thankworthy if man for conscience toward God endure grief and suffering wrong. So I was looking at this. Why do we have this problem that God is over and over repeating to people? Servants serve your masters. And he keeps bringing up this point of we're working as to God. But there's another point that needs to be considered, especially in the early church. When you got to church at the meeting place, your, your rank, your, your positions, all kind of disappeared. They had servants, masters, Romans, you know, everybody was in there. And as has already been said so many times, at the foot of the cross, everybody is equal. Matter of fact, in some of the churches, the servant might even be the pastor and the teacher teaching his master <laughs> in church. And, you know, we have this problem even in our day Sometimes we think, well, I'm on God's side. That means I don't have to listen to these ungodly messengers. 
And we have it in our day toward the government. You know, we have a very ungodly government. We all know that. There's nothing surprising about that statement. Our government is going the wrong direction on every moral issue there is. But, you know, we are still called to honor our government until they cross the line that is you cannot worship God. And, and up until that point, we are to worship God and obey them. And that's in, in uh, Acts 5 where the disciples were arrested. They were beat. They were told, don't go out and, don't go out and tell people about this God that, you, that you're telling us. You do not preach in Jesus' name. And the very next morning, they were out preaching in Jesus' name. And their answer was, we ought to obey God rather than man. And there is a place for disobedience. It is not as quick as most Christians want to go into because they were told you cannot preach the gospel and God told us, tells us you go preach the gospel. And we're going to hold a stand. When we know that God says something's right or wrong, we need to hold on to what's right and say we're going to, we're going to worship our God. But in the scriptures, it makes it very clear these people had a big problem. They were having trouble working with, toward their masters and their idea would have been, you know, well, you know, Master, I, I'm really, I'm the one that's spiritual around here. I, I know what's going on. Uh, you know, I don't have to obey you because you're just, you're just the boss of this house. <laughs> and this, is, this has been the theme of Paul's writing on how do we, as individuals, live out God toward others. And we've seen it. We've talked about families. We've talked about marriages. We've talked about the government. We've talked about the servants. How do we live out the doctrine of sub serving? We do it. <laughs> in spite of whether they're good or bad. In many places it said, doesn't matter whether you have a good boss or a bad boss, you're serving God. And we need to keep that in mind that we're serving God when we serve. You may have a terrible, awful boss, but what is your purpose there? You know, your purpose is to serve God. You know, Paul talked about in marriages, Women, if you are married to an unsaved man and they're willing to live with you, you just lift up God in there and, and, you, and you're in a position. It would be the same thing for a man. If a man gets saved and his wife doesn't want to agree and she, but she's willing to abide under that, under that arrangement, then you stay, you stay together. And he's saying all of this is a way for us to reach other people. They look at us and say, you have something different. Christianity is a way of life. God comes into our hearts. We repent of our sins. Jesus comes and he dwells in us. And he changes who we are. And that change should be attractive to people. They may think we're crazy and they probably will. Okay? When we're not trying to retaliate against that person who did wrong to us. When we're not, when we're not saying, no, get out and, and attack these people with their sins and everything. They will notice. The sad thing is there's so many Christians that have judgmental spirits and, you know, they're going, well, I can't work for that person because, well, if they're that bad and they're keeping you from living your Christianity, for all, for all the good, get out of that, that place, but don't attack the individual. You know, this is the important thing for us as Christians. We are to love one another. That doesn't mean that we don't judge. Okay? There is judgment. God says things are wrong, and all through the scriptures, people called out the wrong. And it's been said of Christians that we, just as God, we love the sinners and hate the sin. And it's a hard thing to do. It is hard to split the two apart. 
The world cannot split the two apart because you are what you do in the world. Which is why when we say that we love the sinner and hate the sin, they go, don't understand, doesn't compute. Because in their minds, they cannot separate the two. And even as Christians, we sometimes have a hard time separating the sin from the person. And this is something that we need to be able to look at. And this is what God is saying here. You're going to serve these masters. If they're a good master, praise God. You've got a good master who's honoring God, should be treating you good. If you've got a bad master, work to the, work to the master above him, God. And this is what's important. You know, we've all seen people, in our, you know, when we were working, that were lazy, <laughs> who only worked if they were being watched. You know. Uh, you know, other than that, they were stealing the money from the, from the business. You know, I'm just going to sit here at my desk and read my book or, or get on, and nowadays, get on the internet and Google all the stuff that I want to want to read and research and, and not earn their pay until a boss comes around and immediately they pop in and they got a spreadsheet up in front of them or out comes another book that has something to do with work or, well, I'm just, uh, I'm just ending my break. I just started about 10 minutes ago. I'm just ending my break. Only been on break for three hours, but... <laughs> But I'm just ending my break now. You know, how do we serve God? Now, a lot of times when we serve God the right way, people look and go, you're really making me look bad. Yeah. I used to get that a lot when I, was, when I would work as a, as a pizza delivery or on the, on the uh, waiting tables, and, and I would report all my tips. The government said report your tips. I reported my tips. I had like five times as much tips as anybody else reported, and they used to make all the other guys, other people mad at me. I'm going, well, if you, either, either you're not a very good person making money, or you're lying to the government, and I'm not going to lie to the government. Well, you're going to get taxed. I go, well, that's beside the point. Why? Because the government said to do it. And there's nothing in the Bible that says don't do it, so you do it. You know, and this is just the thing that we look at. So many times people go, well, I just don't think it's right. Well, it doesn't matter. If it's not against the Bible, it may not be right. But if there's not a thou shalt not in the Bible, then you honor the government. You honor the, the, the boss. You honor whoever it might be that said, don't do this. And you know, we, we have issues all across our country where we are standing up for rights, and we need to be careful how we stand up for rights. When uh, Martin Luther King was working for segregation. He says, we're going to do this peacefully. We're not going to strike out at those that strike out at us. We're just going to stand up for our rights and do, do disobedience in many states, but you know, in many cases, but he says, we're not going to do violence. And this is what we as Christians should be able to stand up and say, God, I'm going to take a stand for you. I'm going to take a stand for what's right. Now, that means you need to know what's right. How do we know what's right? We start studying the Bible. We get to know what the Bible says. Because too many things are what we think. And you know, the flesh does not like to be disappointed. You know, how many of us have had God tell us no on anything in our life? You know, we like to think, well, we're adults. We can handle the word no. Well, no, we don't handle it any better than we did when we were a kid. When we were kids and we were told no, or we tell our kids no, our kids respond pretty you don't want me to have fun. You just are trying to ruin all my fun. No, we're no different as adults. God, you just don't want me to have any fun. You just try to make me be sad all the time. And God's going, just as we tell our kids, no, I'm trying to keep you out of trouble. So we need to, when we're going to take a stand on something, we'd better know that we're taking a stand that God wants. 
The apostles in, in, in Acts 5, you told us not to preach in Jesus' name, but he told us to preach. We are going to stand on God's authority. And this is what's important for us. Are we on solid ground when we take a stand? Well, I just don't think that this is the right thing. Well, I don't care what you think. I don't care what I think. <laughs> what does God think? You know, do I have a verse that says this is wrong? You know, and you know, the Bible does not have a verse that says everything that's wrong is wrong. You know, I've seen people who are, will attack people that are, that are smoking and going, you know, you're a temple, your body's a temple of God. You can't be polluting your temple or, or you need to exercise more because you're polluting God's temple. Okay? You know, that may or may not be a proper application of that scripture. But don't try to make other people, you know, say that that's how they've got to apply it in their life. You know, I kind of think it is. Even though I eat too much, I have a problem. You know, it's a growth. But, you know, I eat too much. There is a sin that says, do not be gluttonous. <laughs> okay. So it is one problem that I have. <laughs> and people go, well, that's not a big problem. Well, God calls it a sin, and that's all I, you know, and I know that I have to work on it. I've been working on it over the years. So, you know, but we need to look at this. When God says something's wrong, you obey it. When you're reading the scriptures and God tells you something's wrong, obey him. It may only be for you. There are things that I can't do in four, after 40 years of studying the scripture and God says, this, I want you to apply it this way and it's wrong. There are things that I cannot do that other people can do. And I can guarantee you that everybody sitting in this room, there are things that you can do or not do that somebody else can or can't do, but it's wrong for you because God has said, you don't do this. Even though there's not a verse that says, thou shalt not. All it comes down to is our relationship with God. He comes in and he indwells us. I love the fact that God changes us. You know, he changes us. It makes life so simple to walk the Christian life because all I have to do is say, God, I'm going to let you live through me. I'm going to let you live through me. Does it mean it's totally easy? Oh, no. The flesh does not like to surrender. The flesh does not like to give up its desires. And we, we talk about this. Jesus said that if you, you know, that we're to love our enemies. Now, now isn't that an easy thing to do? <laughs> you know, all of us have no, in this room, have no problem at all of loving our enemies, do we? You know, and I'm being very facetious on that. You know, I know it's very hard to, to be loving to somebody that all they want to do is hurt you. They want to put you down. They might even want to kill you, and, and God says you're to love that enemy. You know, Paul said that they were to honor the government. And people go, well, it's easy if you have a good government. Paul was talking about Nero. Okay, Nero was a really wonderful guy. He fed, people to, he fed Christians to the lions. He would dump them in pitch and put them on a pole, tie them to a pole and use them as a, as a torch. Uh, you know, he would have them pulled, pulled in four different directions by, by animals, by tying their limbs and pulling them in four different directions by animals. You know, he was a really wonderful guy to be able to honor, wouldn't he? And yet Paul said, we're to honor. To the best of his ability, they were to honor. And we go, well, how can we do that? Power of God. Simply the power of God. As God changes us. You know, the greatest thing I love to hear, I love to hear when I say, but I even love it more when I hear it from different people in the church. You know, this happened to me this last week, and if it, if it had happened to me two years ago, 
I would have just gone off on that person or I would have gone crazy, but I didn't. God is changing your life. How is God, if you have God in your heart, how is he changing your life? Examine yourself once in a while and know, God, I'm able to serve the good and the bad master because I'm serving you. I am reaching out to you, God, doing what you have asked me to do. Is it going to be easy in some ways? No, the flesh is going to rebel. You know, this is something we must understand. The scriptures tell us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our internal desires are to be disobedient to God. Automatically. Our flesh wants to be disobedient. That is our natural state. Because of the fall of Adam and Eve and sin being in our, in our bodies, our natural state is to be disobedient to God. To react. When somebody calls you a name or smacks you upside of the head, our, in, our initial immediate response is to retaliate. Not necessarily the God way to do things because God says, love your enemies. He said, turn the other cheek. Not an easy thing to do. But you know, God came to this world in Jesus Christ to die for sin so that we could be saved. What a wonderful blessing that is. Do you realize how wonderful that is? Would you die for people that you did not like? Or, no, or let's put it this way. Would you die for somebody that you knew didn't like you? God, we were God's enemies when Jesus died for us. And he went willingly to the cross. He didn't go kicking and screaming and saying this isn't going to happen because if he did, he was God of the universe. He could have destroyed everybody and not gone to the cross. He went to the cross because he loved us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus' answer to Pilate when Pilate goes, you know, are you, are you not even going to say anything to me? I had the power to execute you. And Jesus' answer, you would have no power unless it was given to you. I can call ten legions of angels. You know, Legion was a very large group, and God, he was saying, I can call more, I can call more angels, and you have troops at your, at your ability to, to defend with. I'm going to do what I was called to do. Jesus died for sin. Because the only way that a holy, righteous God could forgive us was for the sin to be paid. And Jesus was, a very big word we've talked about, propitiation, Jesus took all the anger of God for sin upon himself. The anger that was due us, Jesus took on the cross. So that God's anger and punishment was poured out on Jesus so that we could accept the gift of salvation and spend eternity with him. Is that the picture that most people have of God? You know, most people have this picture, one of two pictures. Well, God is just so loving that anything goes. Well, then, sorry, that's not love. Okay? That, that, that picture says that all people go to heaven no matter what. Because God is just loving and he would never punish anybody. Number one, that's not love. Okay? And we said this. You know, those of us who've had kids, uh, we would just take our kids down to I-40 and let them play on, the, play on the highway in the middle of the rush hour, wouldn't we? Because we love them. 
They should be able to do whatever they want. Go play with the trucks. Go play chicken with the trucks for a while. You know, we laugh about that because it is something that we should be laughing about. It is ludicrous to think that we would do that. God loves us so much that he is not going to let us continue on a path to hell. He sent Jesus so that we wouldn't. The other extreme is God is nothing but a big, angry brood up there looking to, looking to pound us over the head all the time. If that was the case, Jesus would never have come and he would have just sent everybody to hell because that's what we deserve. God loves he provided for us so that we could go to heaven. All we have to do is accept that sacrifice of Jesus and tell God, God, I am sorry for my sins. Please come into my life. And he dwells us and he changes who we are. You know, and a lot of people are, well, that's too simple a message. It's so simple that most people won't do it. <laughs> you know, and that's the problem with it. It is a simple message. Getting to heaven is so simple. I just repent. And God takes me to heaven. Well, what about if I sin after? Well, you know what? God doesn't want you to sin when you're after you're done, but that's not going to keep you from heaven because Jesus is indwelling you. It'll keep you from getting rewards. And as we said over and over again, sin has consequence. When you commit sin, you're going to pay a consequence. And everybody knows in their life that they've got some things that have happened in their life that are direct consequences to their sin. But they know that they have this issue in their life and they know that this was what happened. But the one thing I can guarantee you from the Bible is every sin has consequence. And the problem with it is most sin has consequence not just on me, but others around me. For those of us who are husbands, our sin affects an entire family. Mothers, your, your sins will affect your children at the, bare, at the very least. Sin always affects other people. There is no such thing as a victimless sin. You know, a lot of people, well, it doesn't hurt anybody else if I did whatever it might be. You know, you can take your pick. I told a lie. It didn't hurt anybody. Well, it hurt everybody who knows that you lied because now they know, can't, don't know whether they can trust you or not. It might have hurt somebody if you lied about them. There's all kinds of different things. And, you know, I pick lie because lie would be one of those things you'd think, well, it didn't really hurt too many, you know, didn't hurt anybody. We need to be careful to live righteous lives that exalt Jesus. Are we going to live perfect lives? No. I wish we could. It would be one. Well, I don't know. Jesus went to the cross. He was perfect. So <laughs> maybe, maybe living a perfect life still wouldn't be all that good. But, you know, wouldn't it be good to know that I've lived a perfect life or you've lived a perfect life and that you can go before God and say, God, thank you. It's just been such a great blessing and all the persecution I got for being perfect. <laughs> you know, but you know, our job is to lift up Christ. To let him shine out of us. And let people come to us and say, I don't know what you have, but I want what you have. I've had this happen more, and more often over my, over my lifetime. You know, I don't know why you're staying calm in the middle of all this chaos, but I really want what it is. Tell me about what it is. Or how can you be happy when something like this happens in your life? I hope you've heard those questions from people because Jesus is shining out of you. If you're not, pray that God's going to get hold of you and, sh and shine out through you. You know, we sung the, sung the song, Sunlight. Sunlight, sunlight, in my soul today, sunlight, sunlight, all along the way. You know, are we lighting the world because God is coming out of us? You know, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto us, unto me. You know, 
We can be as eloquent as we want, but if we don't lift Jesus up, nobody's going to be drawn to him. We need Jesus lifted up. This is the one. This is the way to get to heaven. Jesus Christ, the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And there are so many people going, well, that's very narrow. Yep, Jesus said the way to heaven is narrow. <laughs> you know, well, what about, you know, that Jesus said it. I'm going to let him work out all the details. You know, God has promised that everybody will be without excuse when they stand before him. They will know. At the very least, they're going to know that they did not do what was right. Paul wonderfully one time said that even if they don't know the word of God, they don't even obey their own rules. Okay? You know, even if they don't know the word of God, people don't obey their own rules. You know, well, I'm uh, just going to do whatever it is. You know, even in the prison where I work, they have some weird rules amongst the prisoners. And when one of them violate those rules, they pay the price from the other prisoners. Now, some of the, some of the rules are kind of, you know, kind of interesting. You wouldn't want to, we're not going to go into all their rules, but, you know, they even in their own group will not keep their own rules because of the sin nature. The sin nature does not like to follow rules. You know, and I'm sure most of you are, are just like that. If somebody gives you a rule, you just, I just can't wait to obey this rule. You know, no, if you're anything like me, it's like, why, why did they make this rule? Is this rule really important? Should, is this something I really need to keep? You know, that's the way we normally think. Why? Why do I need to be obedient? That's our sin nature. Our sin nature says what's important is me. You know, we live in a me generation. Whatever is good for me is good. If it's not good for me, it's bad. Jesus said that if you want to be greatest in the heaven, you have to be the servant of all. If you want to be first, you have to be last. He says, submit your flesh to him. Oh, you all know one of my favorite verses, Galatians 2.20. We are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Our flesh needs to be crucified because that's the only way we're going to live the way God wants us to and the only way it's going to be crucified is when he comes and indwells us. And he says, let's get rid of this old stinky, fleshly, dead thing and put life in its place. And it takes a long time for that life sometimes to be put in place. I hear many people going, you know, why, why did it take me so long to learn these things? Why, why, why haven't I applied these things? Well, because we're human. <laughs> because we're human. Every, every time I read the scriptures, every time I get into it, I'm going, okay, God, what's this new area that you want me to change? Well, I've only been studying for 47 years. And there's still new stuff. Every time I get in the word that God says, get this out of your life, get this out of your life, get this out of your life, it's going to be what you're going through for the rest of your time on this world. God's saying, I want this out. I want that out. And you know, when you're witnessing to people, sometimes people go, well, you got your whole life get together. Well, yeah, I've got all the stuff you see put together pretty well, but the stuff you don't see, if you could read my mind, if you could know what was going on inside, you'd, you'd realize that I'm not really that great a person. Paul said that he was the chiefest of sinners. 
Now, a lot of people just want to write that off. Well, yeah, Paul was a persecutor of the church, and yeah, Paul had a pretty bad thing. But Paul was writing that he's the chiefest of sinners at the end of his life, not at the beginning of his life. Why? Because God was showing him what he should be. You know, how good are we or how bad are we depends on who you're comparing yourself to. Most of us in our flesh like to say, well, I'm better than that person and that person, and, you know, I'm better than most of the people I know, God. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. And God says, yeah, but my comparison is how are you toward me, compared to me? How are you compared to the perfection? We don't stand up to perfection at all. And when we see ourselves in light of who God is, we'll actually go with Paul. I'm the chiefest of sinners. I am so dirty. You know, yes, according to the flesh and according to people, I'm doing pretty good. But in comparison to God, if it wasn't Jesus Christ's righteousness on me, I would be worthless. We need to understand that. By understanding that, it gives us a way to minister to other people. If I understand that I'm nothing without Christ, I can minister to those that I think are nothing from what I see. Because all I'm doing is seeing somebody who's just like me, and I can minister to them and accept them. But if I think I'm something, I'm going to do, well, no, that person just, you know. <laughs> and I've heard Christians say, well, I'll witness to that person when they get that sin out of their life. You know, when they quit being a drunk, I, I, will, I will share the gospel with them. No. <laughs> share the gospel with them. Because the power of the gospel will be what can change their life. When they get out of their homosexuality, I'll go witness to them. No. You go through, you, you show them that they're a sinner, and I wouldn't even touch homosexuality with them. I wouldn't touch drunkenness with the person who's a drunk. Because you know what? They all know that they have problems. There's not a person in this world that doesn't know that they do wrong things. We don't need to argue with them on something they don't think is wrong. You know. Everybody in the world has lied. And if they tell you they haven't lied, then they're lying right then. Okay? It's not hard to get somebody to understand that they're a liar. It's not hard to get somebody to understand that they have probably stolen something in their lifetime. And I've heard, well, I, I haven't stolen. Have you ever taken a pen or a pencil from work? Have you ever taken, you know, taken pay for work that you didn't do? You know, have you ever done, you know, you can go on and on about all the little things that we don't think are stealing. We've all stolen something. Well, when I was a kid, I stole my parents made me take it. Well, you're still a thief. <laughs> you know, we need to just talk to people about what it is that they know that they've done and let them know you're not perfect and God's standard is perfect. You know, there are going to be people that stand at the throne of judgment thinking they're doing pretty good because they didn't do a whole lot of outward, outward things that, you know, oh, I never went out and killed anybody. I never had adultery. I never committed fornication. You know, I didn't look how good I am. And God's going to say, well, you did this and you did this and you did this and you did this. And you're not perfect. God's standard is perfection. You know, most of us can't even comprehend that. I showed you, to you, I went out shopping one time with a friend of mine who was an artist, and he went to go get canvas to, for his drawing. The place had like 50 canvases, and he rejected all but two of them. And I'm going, what's wrong with this one? He goes, it's got a little dimple right here. What's wrong with this one? It's got that little black spot right there. But you might have, you know, nope, it's got an imperfection. I can't use it. That's God's standard. Something that nobody else would notice, and he says, 
that. Yep, sorry, you're not perfect. You're headed to hell. The good news for us as Christians is Jesus Christ comes into us and he puts on his righteousness on us. And we stand before God. He looks down and says, oh, there's my perfect child. You know, the wonderful news is that when we accept the gift of God, he clothes us in his righteousness. Doesn't mean we can go out and do all the sin we want because we're now perfect. But it says God sees us as perfect. What a blessing that we have. God sees us as perfect when we accept Jesus Christ and put on his righteousness. So my encouragement for us is if we don't know Jesus today, today is the day to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Make that right with him. Accept him. Tell him that you're a sinner and say that I need your gift. For those of us as Christians, let's pray that we live in that righteousness. We lift him up in all of our situations. It's so important. We are the salt and light of this world. People should be looking at Christians and saying, you guys are the weirdest people in the world. You know, because we really are, aren't we? We don't live in this world because this is not our home. We are just passing through, as, it's, as Paul said of, of Abraham, Abraham didn't look at this world as his home. He was looking for his real home with God. Are we passing through? Or are we just like everybody else? We're enjoying this world and can't imagine doing anything else. Now, uh, I ask people how they're doing a lot of times in the prison. Well, I'm on this side of the ground. I really don't know how to answer that. Because as a Christian, if I'm on the other side of the ground, I'm with God. <laughs> Not that I want to do anything to hurry it up, but, you know, I'm looking forward to the day that I stand in God's presence. And as long as he's got me here, I want to be able to minister to people and enjoy presenting him to others. But, you know, for us as Christians, the greatest thing that can happen to us is that the flesh dies and we get to go to heaven. I'm, as Paul said, I'm torn between the t two. To die and go to heaven, which is better, or to stay here and minister to you. I know that feeling. You know, I would just as soon be in heaven. But while I'm here, I want to teach people and minister to people as much as possible and just show God's love to them and lift Jesus up. Hopefully that's your, your goal, to really reach out and touch God. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity we have to just come and serve you. Lord, we ask it, everyone listening to this on the internet, everybody in this room, to really look at their lives. Lord, if there's anybody that's listening to this that doesn't know you, that we'll ask right now that they will pray and ask you to come into their, their heart, that they will admit that they're a sinner, that they will seek you and ask you to come into their life. Very simple. Lord, for each of us that are Christians, Lord, we ask that you help us to serve you in a powerful way, to look at you and to want to serve you so that others will be brought to you, that we will share the gospel with others and we will live a life that will draw people to you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.